You are listening to the Weight Loss and Wellness for Real podcast with Heather Heinen, licensed professional therapist, mental health. Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all doing well today, and thank you for being here and listening to this episode. This one is all about self-compassion, and it's funny because that word seems to really, um, I don't know, have a negative connotation for some people, but I want you just to stay open to this and understand that self-compassion work is not all about you know, building self-esteem and um, kind of all that, uh, I mean, it can be all about that deep-seeking self-love sort sort of stuff, but really what we're going to talk about is self-compassion in a, in a way that helps us think of it more as like a skill, like, like how to build self-compassion with ourselves. And, and the idea is, is that when we build self-compassion with ourselves, there really are great benefits to this. We can see this in lots of research that's out there on self-compassion. But when we build that skill, what we really do is create a healthier, a better relationship with ourselves, which then leads to, for most of us, some pretty important life goals. Things like better relationships with other people, things like the ability to hit our goals in life, things like finding meaning and purpose in life. Um, and this one skill of building self-compassion can do all those things. And it can also be applied to weight loss. And that's kind of where I'm going to focus today since that's sort of where this podcast is about weight loss and health. And so we're going to focus on how building self-compassion really does lead to weight loss and maintenance for life and better uh, food relationship, better self-relationship. So I want to start out by talking about how so many of us um, are incredibly hard on ourselves. Now, you may not be, and that is awesome, but for those of you who are constantly self-criticizing, talking to yourself in your head that is often very berating and very critical, there is some correlating research that speaks to those with more self-compassion have less addictive behaviors and that those with little to no self-compassion, which means that negative self-talk, the constant berating, the constant um, criticizing, those people deal with more instances of overeating, overdrinking, anger outbursts, and difficulty with relationships. So that's part of the reason we want to focus on building the skill of self-compassion. When I ask my clients what they say to themselves about themselves, I often hear things like like this. Things like, I'm such a failure. I can't do anything right. I'm such a pig. I'm a terrible person. I screw everything up. How stupid could I possibly be? Um, my own internal dialogue was always something like this. 
You need to do better. You need to get this perfectly right. You're a bad person when you overeat. So my self-talk came from a need of perfectionism. So that may ring a bell with you. Some of the others, you might ring a bell with some of those first sentences where there's just a a really harsh criticism going on of negative self-talk, of name-calling, that sort of thing. Um, Our self-talk typically gets programmed for us as children and or in adolescence. Lots of times it may come from how parents speak to us or an authority figure in our life, maybe a teacher, how they spoke to us. But often many of us have wonderful parents who spoke wonderful things to us, but there might be something subtle we pick up as kids, something that our own parents were dealing with. So it can be things like um, we only hear praise for successes or for performance. So we don't hear praise or words of love for just being, for just existing. So there can be this modeling in the family where everyone is very successful, but also over overworked. So the message to the child is that I'm never working hard enough. So I just tell myself constantly how I should be doing more or doing this different. And because I can't get it right, I'm a terrible person. So the style of parenting that we had and our own attachment styles play a really big part in feeling safe or feeling unsafe. And I talked about parenting styles in a past episode. You can go back and listen to that, to some of it. But it's harder to have self-compassion if you've had some trauma history. Um, But also just, you know, it doesn't have to come from trauma either. We just sort of get programmed with it in different ways as young young children. So kind of going back and just reflecting on that. You don't need to do a deep dive into your past or anything, but just reflecting on you know, what was it like? What were the messages I got either overt or covert, you know, when I was growing up, um, those sorts of things. And then talking about the trauma, if you do have uh, trauma in your past, it is harder to have self-compassion. But ironically, um, self-compassion skills is one of the best ways to deal with childhood trauma. Um, usually done this typically in therapy, but you can try to do some of this on your own too, um, done by what what's called reparenting yourself. So that's just kind of a little side note there. Negative self-talk can also come from the time of adolescence. This is a real formative time where our psyche is kind of getting formed. Um, so adolescence is always a very interesting, interesting time of where we tend to have some patterns within our brain that are created during that time. So if we had times in adolescence where we were criticized by fellow peers, maybe bullied, or even there were teachers um, who were fairly instrumental in, you know, being negative with us or kind of always down on us. Sometimes um, we might even experience not necessarily words from peers, but maybe we felt left out or alone. Uh, We will have developed from that some negative self-talk. Also, Um, we're just really never taught this as children. You know, we're not taught about how to talk to ourselves or recognizing how to talk to ourselves. So can you imagine if as little kids and every year in school, we were taught about negative self-talk or self-compassion and how to shift that or even um, how to shift the negative self-talk or even how to counteract it with compassionate and encouraging self-talk. You know, that would kind of, in my world, be pretty amazing. The point is, is that the skill can be learned and it can be taught. 
And, you know, if you listen to this a little bit and get into it and do a little bit more research on how to do it, and if you do have kids, I would highly recommend having this conversation with them and teaching them this. Because even as kids, even though, you know, their brains aren't completely formed yet until mid-20s and all those things, they can start to learn this or take in the concept, and it really can be really can be life-changing. Okay, so um, the idea here is that we want to be able, you know, self-compassion is, a, is not about not experiencing pain. So, you know, we want to think about the ability to hold any pain we experience with a very supportive stance. So this is kind of self-compassion. It's holding our pain with a supportive stance. So it gives you um, this sort of earned, secure attachment schema of self-compassion. Your your parents may not have met all your needs, but you can learn to meet your own needs consistently as an adult. It is tough and a bit bumpier. I mean, it's nice if you had the most amazing parents and they met all your needs and you know, you're know you're feeling very full of self-worth. That's a wonderful thing. But for many of us, that's just not how it, it works. And so it, this is tough and a bit bumpier. And a good therapist can help you navigate all this. But it is life-changing and effective for those who have experienced trauma and also just for anyone trying to make behavior changes in any aspect of your life, including getting healthier, losing weight, this idea of building your own self-compassion now as an adult. Okay, let's talk a little bit about self-esteem versus self-compassion. This is where sometimes I have these conversations with people and, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times many of us group self-esteem and self-compassion as sort of the same thing, but but they're at, this is actually really different than boosting self-esteem. So how do we feel worthy? Why do we feel worthy? If your self-worth is based on some performance, like how hard you work, if you win the race, if you get some award, if you make a certain amount of money, the problem with your um, self-worth being based on your performance, you're doomed to fail as it is truly impossible to be perfect or to always win. And although a good performance of something can boost self-esteem, This does not create true self-worth. And so this is a little different than creating self-compassion. The core of self-worth comes from self-compassion, not self-esteem. Self-esteem is a bit more ego-related. It's a little bit more about boosting our ego and feeling like, yeah, I'm doing a great job here. In fact, um, narcissists can have very high self-esteem. But what they don't have is self-compassion. So if self-esteem is, I'm doing a great job, which by the way, that's also fine as long as you don't take it into the extreme of narcissism. But self-compassion is, you're a good person who I love. Self-compassion isn't about what we do. It's more about acceptance and love of just being, just that we exist. High self-esteem is not a bad thing. But it does not give us the same peace or the possibilities of behavior change as self-compassion does. So when we are focused on gaining valuableness, valuableness, (laughs) wow, Um, gaining a sense of value through doing, and then we have harsh self-criticism, this can work for us. I'm thinking of things like... um, 
med school or grad school. Um, you know, it's like this idea of beating ourselves up um, and being harsh with ourselves can kind of um, punish us or discipline us into some performance that can be positive, you know, but beating ourselves up in that way to get those positive outcomes has these consequences like anxiousness or disconnected from others. Whereas self-compassion does the same thing, but works a lot better. It doesn't have those consequences. So self-compassion works better. And um, by the way, again, this is not me just spewing this. Lots of good research on this. You can check it out. Go Google something like that. Let's talk about the difference, and I'm going to give some examples of, you know, self-criticism versus some self-compassionate talk. So if I have a client that overeats or has a binge, often the self-talk for them goes something like this. I'm disgusting. I'm so fat. I'm just messed up. Why do I do this to myself? These thoughts create feelings of shame, of doubt, but if we take the overeat or the binge and I teach my client how to talk to themselves with some compassionate self-talk, it goes more like this. I overate. It's just a fact. I overate. It's okay. This happens sometimes. Your overeating does not define you. I am working on this. What can I learn from this? How can I do better next time I have an urge to overeat or binge? Here are some ideas I can implement. Here are some things I can try next time. Self-criticism and self-judgment does have a purpose, and it's helpful to understand this. We criticize ourselves because we care. We want to be well. We want to do our best. We want to be safe. We want others to love us, to support us, because we're afraid if we don't do well, we will harm other people or our relationships. Bad things are going to happen to us if we don't do well, and good things will happen to us if we do do well. So our self-criticism and self-judgment, it does all come from looking for safety, that basic human need. And the once you recognize and fully understand that self-criticism and, criticism and self-judgment does have um, this purpose, like there is a reason we do go there and that it all comes from looking for safety. Once you understand this, then you can get into when you're doing it, oh, there's my brain just trying to make me feel safe, but I know a better way to create this. And that is by giving myself compassion in this moment with what just happened. So again, it's understanding that when our brain goes to self-critique, self-criticism, harsh judgment, there is a reason behind that. It's just that it does not work as well as self-compassion does. And so accepting that part of ourselves when we do do it to ourselves, that self-judgment and criticism, being kind to ourselves and not getting into, oh, now why am I doing this? Like You, you really just want to find acceptance of that and then move on to being self-compassionate. Um, so that it's just kind of the idea, there is a reason behind the self-judgment, finding acceptance of that so that you can move into the self-compassion. It is actually pretty important to listen to our inner critic. The inner critic part will shout even louder if we don't listen to it. So paying attention, telling this part of yourself you are listening and you hear it, validating yourself, saying things like, 
I do hear you and I know you're worried. I hear you and I can tell you're scared. This isn't about trying to deny or ignore our self-critique or self that self-judgy part of us. It's more about listening and acknowledging it because when we do that, it's much easier to access our compassionate part. And I'm just, I'm going over this and going over this because this is such an important part of building that self-compassionate skill. It's not about denying the self-judgment part or getting upset when you see yourself judging yourself because now you're working on trying to be self-compassionate. It's really important to understand that inner critic and that judgment part it's important to listen to it, to pay attention and tell it, hey, I, I hear you. I know you're worried. I can tell you're scared. Acknowledge it so then you can move into that compassionate part of you. By just acknowledging what our self-criticism and self-judgment part is saying, we actually put ourselves immediately into our more compassionate self in that moment. So that's kind of how you really get into that self-compassionate part. That's the skill. Part of our inner critic is functional. We do want to learn. There may be something useful coming from our inner critic. Where did I go wrong and what can I do better next time? However, it is not useful when our inner critic is just calling us names or berating us over and over Um, or that saying things like you're a bad person or worthless. That is just not useful or helpful in any way, shape or form within our lives. So you don't want to shut it down, but you don't want it to dominate your self-talk either. It's a really, like if you can think of it, it's a really immature part of us. It's just not very wise. So it, it's more like, I like to think of it as the freaking out teenager part of our brain. It's that freaking out adolescent part of us. Um, I, I think of it as very, like that emotional teenager. The compassionate part of you is the loving, wise adult. So just to kind of give you some frame of reference, so you know, if you're trying to figure out that self-talk and the part of you that's coming out, is it the very emotional teenager or is it the compassionate part of, part of you that is the loving, wise adult? Okay, so some components of self-compassion. Self-compassion, first off, is not pity. So pity will feel condescending. Self-compassion is often shared. It's when I say to a friend or a client, you know, I get it. I get it. It's shared. You need to include common humanity within your self-compassion. It's beyond the separate self. You recognize in this moment that everyone is imperfect. You know, you share this with everyone. Suffering, hardship, it's all part of the human condition. If you go deeply enough, you realize what I experience is not separate from your experience. It's all a part of this interdependence we have within this existence. Now, you don't have to go that deeply, but but that's where this is headed over time. This is more equanimity, more balance within our mind. It's not catastrophizing, but staying more mindful. We want to gain more perspective and to not dramatize. We want to take some of the emotional dramatization out of this. Self-compassion is not about letting ourselves off the hook or when we mess up in any other aspect of our life, like hurt others by our behaviors or words. Self-compassion is about holding ourselves accountable while still loving ourselves. So the perfect example is when 
your beloved pet or child does something they should not be doing. You explain to them why what they did is not okay and that you still love them and you want them to do better next time. You maybe work out a plan together on how the next time will go differently. So this is the exact conversation you can have and should have with your own self. This is self-compassion. It's about shaping your behavior while still being kind and loving to yourself. Mindfulness, kindness, common humanity, all parts of self-compassion. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts. How building self-compassion with ourselves create weight loss. When we build and practice self-compassion with ourselves, by the way, remember that word, practice. This is a practice. We create a healthy caring, loving relationship with ourself. When we do this, we have a solid foundation to draw from when we mess up, when we make a mistake. If I have cultivated some compassion with myself, I am so much quicker to stay out of shame when I screw up and instead listen and learn from what happened and move on. This is imperative for lasting weight loss or any new health habits as mess ups and mistakes are always going to happen. And the trick to lasting weight loss is the ability to quickly pivot and get back to the new habits you are creating that are leading to your weight loss. So if you sit in shame and if you indulge in thoughts of what a mess up you are, how you're never going to get it right, how you just can't do it, how you can never lose weight for good and you feel shame, it's going to take you that much longer, so much longer to get back into the behaviors it takes to lose weight for good. In fact, what I see happen most of the time is when an overeat or a binge happens, the thoughts that occur and then the shame that comes from those thoughts almost always triggers another overeat or binge. And the vicious cycle keeps going for a while. More shame, more using food or drink to quiet the terrible thoughts about yourself and to stop feeling anything um, momentarily. So, so, you know, it's using food and drink to stop feeling shame in that moment momentarily, but then the thoughts and shame return even more intense and the frequency, um, that you eat again and overeat to stop it just for a moment continues to go on and on and on. So this cycle starts going on for this long period of time And the idea to lose weight quicker and to maintain that weight loss, you really need to be able to pivot quickly and get out of that cycle as quickly as possible. And if you're using that uh, self-criticism and shaming yourself and feelings of shame, you just can't get out of it as quickly. So that's why cultivating self-compassion really will help you lose weight quicker and be able to stay in maintenance for the rest of your life. Um, Self-compassion you know, makes this vicious cycle, that process stop so much quicker. So there may be an overeat or a binge, but when there's self-compassion, the beat down, the self-talk to yourself and, and therefore the shame is not experienced. So if there is an overeat or a binge and you use self-compassion, you know, that's where we talk to ourselves lovingly. We're still learning things from it. It's not saying this is okay. It's learning from it. It's not shaming ourselves. So you know, it's softness, it's kindness, it's acceptance. And then when we talk to ourselves in that way, when we have self-compassion, the behavior from that is that we move on. It's immediately getting back to normal eating patterns. There is so much more relief experienced um, when we are self-compassionate. So after we make a mistake 
and we are self-compassionate with ourselves, the relief we experience really helps stop that cycle of overeating again. And by the way, this is not just for someone working on food relationship issues like overeating or binging. Obviously, this is applied to all aspects of life. Our work life, our families, our relationships become more healthy and they flourish if we have self-compassion with ourselves. We are able to live in a sense of peace and calm and obviously this radiates um, into every aspect of our world. Um, and it also creates more steady emotions, which really does help us hit our goals and dreams so much quicker and easier and helps create those um, really lasting and healthy relationships with, with others. So most of us are actually used to giving compassion or showing compassion to others. Um, most of us already know how to do this. So you have the skill. Um, now it's just about purposefully applying it to yourself. So remember that in order to cultivate self-compassion, you have to accept the pain. You have to truly accept imperfection and get to be okay with it. So if you're still trying to fight pain or numb to it, or you're unwilling to experience pain, you're hanging on tooth and nail to the belief that imperfection is unacceptable, you want the pain to just go away, you don't want imperfection to be there, then you need to go slow here. Your first step is to just recognize this as resistance. You really do have to come to the conclusion yourself that you want to begin to cultivate self-compassion in your own life. And simply recognizing and being aware of your resistance to this work is really a wonderful first step. Once you find the value in the work of creating self-compassion, you're going to move forward quicker. Awareness, acceptance, then you can create that amazing relationship with yourself through self-compassion. So some of us just really need to go a bit slower than others. Okay, I always like to give you all a practical strategy to try for the week. So here it is. Talk to yourself as you would your best friend. Even better is to talk to yourself as you would a young child you love or a pet you love. Write a letter to yourself speaking in a compassionate way. And if this is difficult, like I was saying before, take small steps. Start with just writing out one loving sentence directed at yourself, even if it's a bit uncomfortable. Something that you can somewhat believe that makes you a little uncomfortable, but that you're willing to write. Some examples could be, you are worthy to be loved. You are learning to love yourself. I am proud of you for being willing to work on being more compassionate with yourself. I am here for you and will take care of you. Now, I'm getting a little into inner child work, and that'll be for another episode. That's a little bit more deeper, a little bit more intense. But the point is, pick a sentence and write it out. And then read it a few times every day. Have it pop up on your phone, reminding you to read it. This one simple practice will help you begin to cultivate feelings and thoughts of self-compassion. And when this happens, you will find all aspects of your life, not just your food and weight life, will respond in a really meaningful and positive way. Give it a try. Okay. If you found anything useful in this episode, would you please take the time to subscribe to the podcast and give a five-star review, maybe even write a review that really does help me keep these episodes coming out. If you've already subscribed and written a review, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate all of you sharing this space with me for listening 
And remember to thank your own self for being willing to consider making small changes in your life to get you closer to your goals and dreams. Head over to my social media for more resources. You can find me on Instagram at Heinen Counseling and Coaching. Last name is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. Once you're there, feel free to DM, message me, comment. I add a lot of your questions into my podcast episodes and answer them. I also have a recipes only page on Instagram at peak protein recipes. Most of those recipes are all high protein as I'm a big believer in a higher ish protein diet for weight loss. Been practicing that, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And any of my clients know that's how we gain a lot of their success. Um, and if you keep listening right now, you're going to get some more information on how my clients take a deeper dive on these topics with me through online programs and coaching. It is where you get the actual structured lessons, worksheets, journal prompts, support, and coaching behind all this information I'm putting out there to lose your weight for good, improve your health, and live the life you've been dreaming about in the body you've been dreaming about. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode and then you will see it says support this podcast And then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation, like 99 cents, helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer, like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services. 